0: Welcome to Be Limitless with Tarun Makhija. In this podcast, I will be talking about how to be limitless in everything you do in life. It can be your business, it can be your career, it can be marketing, it can also be some of the mistakes which finally make us limitless. So let's be limitless and go beyond our imagination. Hello, beautiful people. Welcome back to Be Limitless with Arun Maheja. We This is a podcast where I talk about everything, entrepreneurship, business, career advice, and much, much more. In this podcast, I love to call people who have been in an amazing journey of going limitless in whatever they've been doing. And today, my friends, I have a very, very special guest. Uh, I would call him special because he's been doing some amazing things in the last 20 years in the creative design and the business space. He's somebody who's been creating some kick-ass content on Instagram in the last one year that I've been following him and having the pleasure to know him. And I think he has already achieved so much more. And, you know, I think it's best to hear from him himself that who he is and what he does and why is he over here and what all can he give to us. So let's welcome Michael Janda on the
1: show. also hey, known as Thank you. Thank you. Thank you Tarun, so happy to be here. I know we've been working on this for several months on on getting this collaboration to happen. So thank you for having me on your podcast. I appreciate it.
0: Thank you so much for taking our time and coming over here. All I want to ask you is how would you introduce yourself to somebody who never has heard of you?
1: Um, Good question. So I'm, I'm an agency veteran. I started an agency in 2002 and grew it over 13 years and then sold my agency in 2015. Um, My biggest client was Disney. My biggest client the last two years of my agency was Google. We did work for Fox and ABC and NBC and YouTube and Warner Brothers, just down the list of amazing clients. Once, Once we got into that type of client, Our name started to spread around to various different uh, entertainment industry businesses. And then we started getting into the tech industry as well and started doing a lot of work in the Bay Area. So uh, I had a great journey in my agency run. I feel like I checked all the boxes that I ever dreamed of checking and more. And toward the end of that journey, I started to realize what my real passion was. And my real passion was the mentoring and teaching. It was helping a junior designer level up to become a senior designer and art director. I just enjoyed that so much. I enjoyed the, the mentorship and the collaboration and the inspiration and the education side of my business. So when I sold my agency, I worked at the agency I sold to for a couple of years, and then I decided, okay, I'm gonna chase a new dream. And that new dream is writing books and making courses and creating content to help creative entrepreneurs achieve more than what they're expecting for themselves. And so I love what I do. I I get to wake up every morning and I don't go to work because this isn't work for me. This is what I love, it's fun.
0: Wow. So I think having running an agency for almost 13 years and then, you know, selling it off and helping other entrepreneurs to grow, other individuals to grow, creative entrepreneurs to grow is where you found your calling and where you find and you feel that you don't really work every day, but you love what you do. Yeah, it's great. So since we mentioned about uh, your day, I would love to know how does a day look like
1: in your life? Oh, a day looks like to me, um, I get a lot of messages. So I have a big audience on Instagram. I get a lot of direct messages. I reply to all my direct messages. And it's interesting, you're in India. um, So when I go to bed at night, because you're on the exact opposite side of the world from me, all of my India and Indonesia audience wakes up. And so I go to bed with no direct messages. And then I wake up with all of my direct messages from the other side of the world, and I reply to all of those and catch up with everybody that that had messaged me. Uh, So I spend a lot of time in my DMs. I make a lot of content for Instagram, and now I'm going to start pushing my YouTube channel and making a ton of content on my YouTube channel. So I'm excited about that. I do a lot of business coaching for creative entrepreneurs. And so my day is always filled with two to four coaching sessions that I have with people that I'm working with to help them grow their businesses. I have a lot of ideas for courses. So I'm always working on the next course that I'm going to be rolling out. Uh, I have other ideas for books. I have two published books right now. I just keep myself busy. And like I said, it's, it doesn't feel like work to me. It's busy and it takes a lot of time but i really really genuinely love what i do so it's if you can get up in the morning and go and do a job that doesn't feel like work that's the greatest thing in all the world like you get paid money to do something you would do for fun as a hobby there's nothing better than that
0: i second you on that and i am 100 i'm sure that if you love what you do i think it never feels like working like you're put out there
1: so yeah, it, yeah. it's
0: it's a mix of business coaching calls, working on your courses, working on some personal things. And I also, yeah. you know, have been seeing that you've been doing some amazing content on Instagram. So it's been creating and ideating the next bit of content. So yes. it's all about creativity in your day and uh, solving yes. business problems in your day.
1: Yes, totally. And it's so fun for me. Sharing content on Instagram has made me a better teacher because it it forces me to distill down an idea into a maximum of 10 slides because that's the cap on Instagram carousels and really it's eight slides because I have a title slide and an end slide so I have to get a lesson crammed into eight slides in the middle and that's forced me to refine the way that I communicate my lessons and made me a better teacher which has been great for me there's just benefits every direction that I look in what I'm doing. So I'm kind of living in that pinch me, my life is great phase of my career.
0: I think then you should pinch yourself a little more often. (laughs) Maybe. (laughs) Right. So since you mentioned about, you know, putting all the lessons out in that, you know, sandwiching them in that eight slides in the carousel. So that brings me on to my next question, which is what is your secret sauce to creating content day in, day out? Uh,
1: You know, the secret sauce for me is I am so hyper focused on who I'm communicating with. I know my target audience. And when I started creating content, I knew exactly who I was talking to. I'm talking to solo freelancers, people who are out there just trying to make their creative business work, and I know their problems because I was a solo freelancer. In my the start of my agency so i know what that feels like and i know their fears and their pains and their problems i'm also talking to small agency owners the people who have one or two employees and they're trying to figure out how do i go from here to an actual business right now i'm a freelancer with a couple people that i delegate stuff to but i'm not really a business how do i make that transition and become actual agency so I'm speaking to those people and then my third audience is people who are working somewhere but they want to go freelance at some point in their life and they're not quite sure how do I do it what do I need to know how do I take the plunge and and make that happen when do I do it I'm talking to those people as well so my secret sauce is I know that audience I know exactly who I'm talking to and it makes content easy because I know the I know their problems. I know their fears. I know their challenges. I lived the, all of those lives in my past career and I know what they're struggling with. So I just say to myself, okay, well, what did I want to know when I didn't know what I didn't know? And I make content around that and it's resonated with so many people and, and built a great audience and helped a lot of people. And that's that's really a, a benefit to me. So the secret ingredient, know your audience, define what their problems and challenges are, and then speak to those problems and challenges, and you will find your community, your followers, your engagement will all come as a result of that.
0: Wow, I think no one could have put it in better words and better sentences. And I think you quite rightly said, if you know your audience, if you know who you're talking to and if you know what they want to hear or what they want to read, I think you can actually create some amazing content out there. So everybody who's listening to this, if you're facing that creative block or that, you know, difficulty in creating content on a daily basis, apply what Michael just said. All right. Also, I want to ask, since you've been also doing a lot of business coaching and a lot of, uh, you know, entrepreneurs that you've been mentoring. So actually a couple of things. So the first thing is that, Since you come with the background of running a successful agency, what is the key to success for a creative or an advertising agency in today's time?
1: You know, it's not different in today's time than it ever was in any other time. It is building relationships with your clients so that they trust you. And once a business or a person trusts you, then the sales process becomes easy so the big secret for in business in any business is build relationships and I built my entire agency on relationship marketing it was do good work for Joe and then Joe tells Sally that I did good work for him and Sally trusts Joe so Sally says well if Joe trusts Mike then I'll trust Mike and that referral chain is what built a great agency for me. So in a creative business, it's so much that the purchase decision has so much to do with how much the client trusts you. And trust comes from having a genuine relationship with the customer. Now, that's the way it is for most people. Now, there there is a, a caveat to that. And that is that some people can build a reputation and that reputation is what people will buy. And to cite examples, the mega agencies in the world, the Pentagrams, McCann, Erickson's and things the the mega agencies, they have reputation. And because big brands buy with them, it's easier for other big brands to say that's who we should go with. Because if Coca-Cola trusts them, then we'll trust them. So there's reputation, but most creatives don't get to this reputation phase of their career and relationship is what they need to build. They need to turn their clients into friends. Their clients will trust them implicitly and they will give them more work. And once your client trusts you, they will refer you to their friends and that will create more clients for you who will refer you to their friends, and it has this exponential growth. Mm -hmm. I saw that happen over my 15 years of agency life, and I believe it to be true for most uh, service-based businesses. People want to trust the person. So what do you do when you need somebody to fix your air conditioning? You need somebody to fix your air conditioning unit. What do you do first? You ask your neighbor, Hey, who fixed your air conditioning unit? And your neighbor says, "Oh, we use these people and then you call." So it's that referral chain that is so valuable in in any service-based business.
0: Well, I I think I 100% agree with you on that because relationships build businesses and it's it's only about how you can maintain those relations and how those relations how good do you work for them, with them, so that they can then yeah. further referee you, and it kind of creates, like you said, a ripple effect. It's just what yeah. goes around comes around, you know. Yeah. All right, I think, uh, yes, that's the most important core of uh, successful agency in today's time as well, and back in the days as well. So what do you think is better, a business or freelancing, and why?
1: Um, that's a good question. I saw that on, on your prep list. My belief is that either of those can be successful either of those are great choices it depends on you as the individual they both have pros and cons and let's just look at the pros and cons of each of those so a freelancer the benefit to a freelancer is that you have low overhead There's no you don't have the cost of employees and the stress of making payroll and you don't need studio like office studio space. So you don't have rent. You don't have 10 workstations that you have to buy and put software on. So your overhead costs are really low. And that's beneficial to you because once overhead gets bigger, things get more stressful. You're always chasing the next project and trying to keep cash flow healthy so that you can afford your overhead costs. So that's the benefit to a freelancer. It gives you this flexibility. You are your own boss. You control your own workflow. You're not managing, mentoring, or paying for any other people. Now, the downside to being a freelancer is that your income is capped based on the amount of time you can spend doing the work you have a cap it's only you it's only your hours and you can't fit more into your day than a certain maximum of let's say 12 hours per day seven days a week that's the limit of your ability really to do work productively now i don't recommend that anybody works that much but that's the cap if we consider it that so there's a there's a a downside to freelancing and there's an upside. Now from an agency standpoint, there's downsides and upsides as well. So and I I lived both of these worlds. The agency, the downside to an agency is that you do have big overhead. You are fearful of I've got to get the next project. I have this churn. I've got to make payroll because I have all these employees that I've made a commitment to. I need to keep that hamster wheel rolling, that churn, um, and that can be so stressful. I had so much stress in my growing years of my agency. It was really stressful, that just constant financial pressure. But the upside to an agency is that there is no limit, and, and this is your show, Limitless, there is no limit to your income. Once you have five employees, you're making money on five people and the amount of time that they spend. Once you have 10, you can potentially do twice as much work as you could with five. Once you have 20 employees, you're doing four times as much work as you did when you had five people. You're, you have no limit to your financial upside. And I enjoyed that for a number of years at my agency where we were having huge billings spread across a 15, 20 person twenty-person-sized team. And the income was huge. The revenue was huge. But the stress and the financial pressure from overhead was also huge. But there's that upside to it. The other benefit, too, from an agency standpoint is that you can get more flexibility in your life. Like once I had 10, 12 employees, I was able to go on a real vacation and not have my phone ringing all the time. My phone was always ringing, but it wasn't like I didn't have people at the office taking care of the challenges that we were going through. So I had higher level employees, they were running a lot of components of the business and I was actually able to go on a vacation. As a freelancer, solo freelancer, because I lived that life too, I would go on a vacation. We would go to the beach and I would spend two hours at the beach. And then I would go back to the hotel room and work for the rest of the day while my family was still at the beach because I didn't have anybody to delegate things to. So I think that's a long winded example of saying that either of those can be super beneficial to you. It just depends on what life you want to live. And what do you want your career story to be?
0: I think, yes, it all depends on what life do you want to choose and what path do you want to take? And like you said, both of them have their upside and downside. And I being, uh, you know, from the agency side and running my own agency since about four years, like you said, you know, Mm -hmm. it's always that constant stress that, you know, now you're five, you're doing X number of projects, now you're 10, I want to go to Z, and it's it's never enough. And I think... uh, <laughs> it, it is stressful at times, but yes, like you said, one amazing thing about it is that you can go actually limitless, and you can just keep growing to, yes. you know, to the best of the best of the world. All right. So yeah. I think it's more of a personal choice, like you said, whatever yeah. you want to work as an individual or with a team of people. Okay. So the next question which I had was, uh, what what do you think is the core ingredient to grow on any platform, whether it is writing blogs getting a email list up instagram youtube twitter
1: yeah any any yeah. platform
0: what is the core ingredient to growing on any
1: platform so we talked a little bit about this but it's it's that understand your target audience define the problems and challenges that they have and then solve those problems and challenges in a concise and digestible manner and you will get people who will find your content and begin to follow you. So this can be a podcast. Today we're talking about my career journey and some um, tangential concepts around that. What problem does this solve for your listeners? It helps them see a path to success for them. It helps them see the behind the scenes of somebody who had done a journey that they might want to do themselves. So the problem it solves is it opens up their vision to possibility. That's the problem that this podcast solves. That's going to be valuable to people who are sitting around in the early stages of their career, wondering, oh, I kind of want to be an entrepreneur, but I don't even know where to start. I don't even know what to do. And they can listen to something like this and get little nuggets of aha moments that help them see a vision of of their future. That's the same on a blog. You could do this type of content in a blog. You know, you could do this type of content in a YouTube channel or on Instagram. It's that same thing. But if you know that you're speaking to want to be entrepreneurs, people who want more from their career than what they have right now, and you're speaking to that audience of people, that same solutions that we provide in a podcast like this can be translated over to any platform and find an audience. Now, a core ingredient that I would say, and this is a mistake that a lot of people make, after you know your audience, you've got to pick a channel that they are in, and then you've got to go all in on making content in that channel. Don't try and do every single channel. There's too much. You're better off going 100% into one channel than 20% in on five channels. You will be more successful if you pick a channel and go all in on it. I did that with Instagram. I I actually started my journey in YouTube. My first few content pieces were YouTube content. And then I started posting a little bit on Instagram to see what happened And I started getting all this traction on Instagram and my account started growing. So I abandoned YouTube and I went all in on Instagram because that was the channel I was finding success in. Now I'm going and transitioning back to YouTube and I'm going to do less on Instagram. I'll still be there 10% of my effort but 90% of my effort is gonna be all in on YouTube trying to build my community on that platform and experiment with new types of content. So know your audience and go all in on a platform where your audience consumes content and you will grow.
0: Well said, I think that's so. That's one big mistake which people make is focusing on every platform, You know, yeah. and not just focusing on one platform and like you said, You need to know where your audience is actually present and what kind of problem are you solving for them so that they either consume a podcast or a blog or your Instagram carousels for that matter. Mm -hmm. So yes, pick your platform, know your audience and keep putting out consistent content. Consistency,
1: that's a good one. Yeah, thanks for adding that because that's so key. You can't post on Instagram once a week and expect to grow. You're not going to grow if you're in on Instagram, it's five times a week or more. If you're in on YouTube, you better have one or two videos every single week on YouTube or you're not on YouTube. If you're on Twitter, you better tweet three times a day or you're not on Twitter. So it's it's that kind of thing. If you have a podcast, you better be outputting a podcast every week or at least every other week, a new show, or you're not really doing a podcast. You're never going to build an audience there. It's too Um, bifurcated. You've got to go and be consistent in the platform that you pick.
0: Yes, absolutely right. And it's all about, you know, like you mentioned, five over there, three Mm -hmm. over here, like five on Instagram or more, on three or more on Twitter every day. It's all about how content is consumed on each platform and how much it is perishable on each platform. Like, you know, today what you see on Twitter, you might not remember it the day after, And similarly on YouTube, it is, you know, much larger the life of the content. So you pick and choose your platform and you begin. All right. Perfect. So since we've been discussing a lot about uh, content creation and about core ingredients to growing on any platform. And since you come from this amazing background of understanding design, like, you know, like Mm -hmm. no one does, I would say like a lot of people uh, who actually want to be the best designers, what is it that you would tell them is the process of your designing process? Like what is your designing process?
1: Um, that's a great question. And you know what? I've never been asked that question before. So I, I like that. Uh, the, my process, it starts with the preparing your brain for creativity. You've got to prepare your mind to come up with the creative design idea. And that preparation comes from research, researching your target audience, researching the competitive landscape, researching what other people have done to solve the design problem that you're trying to solve. So you research and you get ideas from that. Then you let that just percolate. Now, my research happens a lot on Pinterest. Design research for me happens on Pinterest. I go and I scour Pinterest and I pin things and I make a board that most of my boards are secret because they're just idea boards and I, they're messy and I don't want to have people think that it's a good thing for them to follow. It's, it's a messy, just ideated board. And sometimes they evolve from one type of design idea into other types of design ideas as I go and explore. But I'm pinning ideas and content and, and that's part of this mental preparation for design. So you've got to do that preparation part, and that's preparing your brain to come up with creative ideas for you. Then you step away. You let that preparation happen, and you step away and give yourself time to let those things merge together in your brain. And a lot of it happens in the subconscious of your brain. You sit back and you have all these things that you prepared and you looked at and you studied and you researched, And now your brain is trying to connect those for you while you're not even paying attention to it. So that I think is important. A lot of designers, they sit down and they open up a blank document and they just expect design to just show up and be good. Well, that's so rare. Some people can do that, but most of us in the world, that's not how it works. We've got to do the work, the preparation work, to bring ideas into that blank canvas. So you prepare and then you step away and you let your subconscious brain connect all the ideas that you examined in your preparation phase. And then you open the blank canvas and you begin to execute. Uh, That, I think, is the flow. Prepare, give time, and then execute is my design process.
0: And it's an amazing way to reach to the final design or the final output that you might have expected in the initial phase of the design or probably something different altogether. Like you mentioned, sometimes yeah. it just becomes a different idea. Yeah. So how do you yeah. think people should tackle this? Because, you know, in today's age, people feel that design is as instant as coffee, yeah. but design is never instant. No. right? Like how do you, in an agency where like we have, you know, a couple of designers and visualizers yeah. and animators yeah. working together the client servicing people or the strategists are just on their heads as to, you know, I want this right yeah, now. Yeah. And it doesn't really give that, you know, the planning yeah. and the preparation and the flowing part to yeah. them, you know? So I think in a way that design kind of dies. So what do you recommend for agencies with so much of churning of design every day?
1: got to, you've got to teach your clients the design process. You've got to educate them and help them understand that if they want the top quality work that they're hiring you for, that it's got to go through this iterative process. It's got to start with research. It's got to have ideation happen from several designers. It's got to have an art director there trying to mentor and critique the work as it's being executed and clients who just want it now that churn they don't understand the design process and what it takes to yield the best work for them and so in the sales process you who or whoever in your team sells that work has to sell the client on the process that's going to achieve the results that they're hiring you for and if you do that then you take them through that process they're going to be on board but if they don't know the process then they're just going to want it as fast as possible they're going to want you to click the make website button in photoshop and poof there's my website this afternoon it's and that doesn't exist but clients don't know that they think it's easy because oh it's just design they think it's easy so you've got to teach them that it's not easy and if they want the best results they have to allow the process that you use to get them the best results, they've got to allow the time for that to happen.
0: Perfectly said, you know, patience gives you the best fruits. So that plus, like you mentioned, if you educate the client, it's always easier for them to also understand that yes, this process takes this amount of time and the output will be then far, far, far better than just a quick hour design, all right. Yeah. So, that, that uh, actually brings me on to the next question, which is, what do you think is the future of uh, design, according to you? We've um, always yeah. seen design, uh, you know, uh, it was very messy back in the days, bold yeah. fonts, bold bolder colors. It has yeah. suddenly dropped down to a lot of minimalism, a lot yeah. of focus on black and white, minimal fonts, right from your Montserrat to your Poppins. It's just yeah. been very minimal now. So, what do you think is going to be the future or the way forward for design?
1: Um, you know, I think that the minimalist movement of design has a ton to do with the attention span of the consumer. And we, in this world of digital devices, that we're now 11 years into everybody in the world having a smartphone our attention span and social media contributes to this our attention span is just plummeting and minimal design allows the consumer to get to the point much faster so i would be surprised if we see a shift from that anytime soon this minimalist movement i think is here to stay because it's so fundamentally important in the way that we consume content and design today in 2021 and for the next decades ahead. Uh, So I think that that's that's something that's gonna, um, that's here to stay. The other thing that I have a concern about the future of design is the lack of collaboration. We're now a year into global lockdown because of COVID-19, and everybody's doing Zoom calls. And that internal design team and that internal collaborative critiquing that happens when you're sitting next to people that are working on the same project that you're working on, and you can spin your chair over and say, oh, you know what, can you help me with this? I'm kind of stuck. You got any ideas on this design? And then your designer friend says, oh, well, try making this a little bigger and this a little smaller. Yeah, that's better. Or the art director walks through and says, hey, anybody having any challenges? I'd love to give you some input right now. And then your designer says, oh yeah, come help me. That collaboration, that is so critical to the majority of designers in the world. Again, there are the savant designers that can sit down with a blank canvas and make a masterpiece. But most people are not that. That's the 99.9% of us need collaboration and art direction and feedback to yield the best results and I'm fearful about design right now because so many people are working remotely and they're just opening the blank canvas and it's just them working on it and they don't have that collaboration experience I'm a little nervous about the quality of design in the short-term future here as we're Working more independently than ever as designers.
0: I think yes, that's a bit of concern because, like you rightly said, you know, when you're together in a room, you can quickly collaborate, change things—a little bigger font, not that yeah. color, or probably try yeah. this or that—and that's not just happening; it's just been virtual. Yeah. So, yes, I agree with you, and I think it's—it's uh, it's nothing better than working in the same room, same room with creative people and creative minds. So we hope that everybody in the world gets to do that real, real soon. But oh, yes, uh, like you said, I think I love the answer over there. Like you mentioned as to minimalism, how did we arrive to it because of the lack of attention span in today's yeah. uh, users? Plus it's going to stay over here because uh, it's something which people have already adapted to and they love it and they yeah. don't want too much of anything. And I think right. the best, uh, company, which I, I think I could relate to it is Apple, you know, they just are so good. So good at minimalism yeah. and so good at design yeah. as a whole, right? From their products to their yeah. boxes, to their packaging. All right, perfect. So yeah. having said that, you know, I, I actually want to ask you a question about something which is closely related to design, which is all about AR. Since you've already seen a surge of these Instagram filters, right, mm-hmm. in the last one year, And uh, in fact, we've been also developing some of them on on our own agency. And uh, AR is something which has, you know, kind of changed the dynamics. So how do you think uh, AR is going to shape up in the coming days, coming uh, months? And how do you think people can incorporate AR in their marketing strategies?
1: Um, that's a, that's a really good. So AR meaning augmented reality. And through our cell phone, we can have a virtual reality experience with the product. Now, one of the things that I love that has done this, I think, in the early days of AR that I thought was so interesting was Lego. I went to the Lego store years ago in New York City, and they had the boxes there. And I don't remember exactly, but you could like hold your phone on it. And in your phone, you would see the 3D built version of the Lego thing that was in the box. So you would hold it over the the box and the augmented reality would show you the built Lego that you can move around in your phone and see it there. Those kinds of things are so fascinating to me. Now, augmented reality for me, when it's going to get interesting is when we have glasses that we can wear like google tried to do their google glass thing and it never really took off but at some point somebody is going to figure out the glasses to human interface and our entire world can be augmented reality our gps that right now you look at your phone well what if it's a hud display that's happening inside of your glasses You don't need to look at your phone. It's just there in front of you. I think there's some really interesting things that happen. Imagine taking a walk and as you're walking, you see street view like you see through Google of your path to the destination in your augmented reality glasses that you're wearing. Those kinds of things just get me excited and fascinated about the future of AR and how it's gonna impact our lives. I think we'll see it first happen inside of like car windshields and things where you're looking through the window and there's an augmented reality that's happening inside of the window. They're already doing this on some vehicles where it's beaming up into the glass and you can see your speedometer and your path or whatever. So that that kind of stuff is already happening, but when it becomes mainstream and we're all walking around with a pair of glasses on, or contacts that you put in your eyes that have this augmented reality happening there's some there's some exciting things happening in the future of our world as design begins to integrate itself into our every moment of our lives daily living it's gonna be exciting for designers to to create those things
0: i think yes it's gonna be exciting for the designers to be able to play around with ar Plus the clients to see something which is not your uh, usual design and something which is really different and making the user engage much, much more compared to what they are with your content right now. Like you again said, coming back to that point of uh, lack of attention span, it's just the attention is just going to some seconds today. And imagine you and me uh, interacting with a filter and then your friend doing the same thing and the same thing. It creates yeah. a ripple effect that everybody wants to do it. And uh, some brands have been very successful in gamifying the experience so that people actually then want to be winning that game with the AR filter and with that particular brand, they're interacting and getting more engagement with the brand. So, yes, looks interesting. I agree with you on that. part. Okay, so since we've already talked about so many things on design. Uh, some things about how to run a successful agency, so many things about uh, what is uh, it that is better in terms of freelancing or running a a business. One thing which I think uh, a lot of people still want to know from you since you have been coaching a lot of businesses and uh, I think your prime target over there is setting the processes right and correcting what is not correct, solving the problems and helping them increase the revenue at the end of the day. So what is your uh, biggest advice on people when they try to sell something in the agency network or even if a freelancer.
1: So my biggest advice is if you know your numbers, you can go into a sales environment so much more confidently than if you don't. And most creatives don't know their numbers. You got to know how much is this going to cost you to produce. Now you own an agency. You can easily know by saying, "Okay, I have this project coming in. You ask the three designers you're going to have work on it. How much time do you want to spend on this? And they tell you how much time I need eight hours for that. And the other one says, give me four hours to art direct it. And the programmer says, give me 20 hours to program it. Now, you know, you can take that and attach your hourly rate to it and know your bottom number for negotiation but that's not the number you charge the client. That's the bottom in your negotiation room. Your objective is to sell it for a profit to the client. So let's say that your bottom number on a project is $600. It's gonna cost you $600 to produce this thing. Now you know, I'm gonna go into this negotiation. I can't go lower than $600 or I'm losing money on this project. If you know that number, You have so much more power just with that number. The next number that you've got to know is what is the market value of this? What do other people charge for this same type of work? So that's something you can know by, I'm sure you know who your competitors are and you have a good sense of what they charge in comparison to you. I knew all my competitors and knew generally what their pricing was for the same types of products that I was doing. So I could price myself based on market value. I knew it's cost me 600 but I know that my competitors charge 1500 for this thing that the client wants us to create so I know now two variables that I can consider in my pricing. The final variable that I would consider is what is the client's budget? What do they actually want to or have to spend on this product that they want? And the best way to know the budget is to ask the client the budget. Ask them how much they expect to spend on this. they want to invest in this thing and get that next variable from them so when you know those three variables and you sit down at the negotiation table to sell your services it is so much easier you can do it with so much more confidence because you have data that backs your negotiation decisions now if you don't have that you just sit there and if the client is haggling you down in price trying to get the best deal that they can you know where to stop and you say nope sorry i can't do it for 500 dollars." sorry you're gonna have to find somebody else i think that's my good advice to selling your creative services or your services in general is to understand those variables if you understand those numbers it gives you a lot of power in your sales process
0: very, very well said and very well put. If you know your numbers very well, if you know the effort which is going to go into it, plus you know your base and plus you know what your competitors are charging. And the most difficult part, if you know your client's budget, I think there's no point that you cannot explain them and educate them and then finally sell them the service that they have been wanting to take from you. All right. perfect. Perfectly said. So there is so much more that we can talk about, but yes, time is a finite uh, resource present to all of <laughs> us and specifically you having to do so much more in a day, but I would just want uh, to do a couple of things. One is a surprise rapid fire with you.
1: Oh, so, I love rapid fire.
0: You love that? All right. I'm pleased. Yes. So
1: let's do this.
0: Let's do this. Okay. Let's okay. do rapid fire with Michael. So number one, freelancing or running an agency?
1: Um, both are good but I made a lot more money running an agency than I did freelancing. I love the no limit of an agency.
0: Okay. Podcasts or blogs?
1: Oh, that's a tough one. I'm going to say for me podcast because I love to verbally articulate ideas and I love the collaborative experience talking with someone in a podcast environment. So for me, podcast.
0: Okay. Read a book, watch a movie. Watch a movie. Okay, play the guitar or work out.
1: Oh man, work out, but it's close. It's a close one. <laughs>
0: yeah, because actually, I read it that you love both work out and yeah. both music. It's, and a, it's a
1: close one. Yeah.
0: Okay, uh, morning or evenings. Mornings. Okay, beach or the mountains.
1: Oh, beach, no doubt, beach, <laughs> all day long. I live in the mountains, but I go to the beach every vacation that I have. Love the beach. Okay.
0: Okay. Working virtually or working in an office?
1: In an office.
0: Last one. Advice for your own self versus uh, advice for your future self. Now you need to Uh kind of, this is not like a choosing one, but you have to choose one and you have to answer one.
1: Okay. So I'll give advice to my old self. Everything is going to turn out okay. Enjoy the process of growing in your career. Don't overstress it. That was that I I spent so much time stressed out and nervous and worried about my overhead and my business and my clients and executing on work. I was just in knots and I didn't enjoy that process nearly as much as what I should have. So I have some regrets From that, I'm a lot better at it now, but my advice to my old self and to the listeners here, you get one life. You get one life. Enjoy your career. Enjoy the learning experiences. Enjoy the times when the client is miserable and it's forcing you to grow. It hurts when you go through it, but appreciate the growth that comes from that. Uh, I didn't see the big picture on those things when I was going through them. I do now, Uh, so my advice to to myself back then and to the listeners, you get one shot, enjoy the steps as you go on them.
0: Wow, perfectly said. And I think we need to stop worrying less and doing more and just be focused on what we're doing. And that actually was supposed to be my next question, but I kind of looked it in, in the rapid fire, but good job with the rapid fire.
1: Hey, thank you. It's fun. That's right. fun. So,
0: and also, you know, the first thing which somebody reads on your website is that you help entrepreneurs make uh, more money with less stress. So there yes. you go about stress. All right. Yeah. So I think uh, it's been an awesome conversation so far. And I hope the viewers, actually the listeners, viewers on YouTube probably and listeners yeah. Yeah. on the yeah. podcast get a lot of value from this. But uh, more than that, I would like to tell everybody that. You can always, always go in and get the Freelance with Janda course, which is the ultimate freelancing course, which Michael has developed with all his learning of 15 to 20 years, put in an amazing course, which has about six modules and 40 plus hours of content right from the man himself. And then apart from this, you can buy the book called Burn Your Portfolio. You can tune into their podcast, which is Biz Buds Podcast with Mike and Tom, both and apart from this, if you want a lot of free content, which I think nobody says no to, go yeah. follow Michael on his Instagram, which is at the rate more gender, M-O-R-E-J-A-N-D-A or go to michaeljanda.com, which is michaeljand com. And apart from that, since you already know, Michael has been working on a lot of new content on YouTube. So if you want to watch and learn, go to his YouTube channel as well. And on that note, I leave it back to you to sum it up in your own style.
1: Oh, it's so good. Thank you for having me on Tarun. Thanks for your patience in getting this scheduled. We've been working on it for months and it was super fun chatting with you. I really appreciate it. Great questions, fun conversation. I hope we provide some value to your listeners. So thanks for having me on.
0: Lovely. So on that note, I would just like to tell everybody that persistency beats everything. So keep working hard. You will soon Uh, or later get Michael on the podcast. And, you know, there was... (laughs) So
1: true. (laughs) You you did it. So thank you. It was persistent and patience. It it wins every time.
0: Yes. And on that note, I just want to tell everybody that uh, like when Michael said in the start of the podcast that he always replies to his direct messages. He does. He really does feel free to reach out to him. If you have any more doubts, any more questions, or probably he can include them in his next live session or his next carousel. And yes, thank you so much once again for being a part of this podcast and for sharing your journey of going limitless from running an agency, to doing business coaching, to doing so many more things that you do today, right from keynote speaking, to getting featured in so many amazing magazines, to working with the big guns of the world. I think this episode of Be Limitless with Tarun Makija was only and only pure value in bold and caps. Thank you. On that note, Michael, thank you so much. I'll just Sum this podcast up. So, thank you so much for coming till the end. I hope you like, you could take away a lot of things from Michael and the man himself. On that note, I would want you to make sure that you give this podcast a rating if you find this interesting. Share it with somebody who is just starting off in design, business, entrepreneurship, or freelancing. And I'm sure as much as value that you got, they will get it too. See you on the other side. Until then, stay safe, stay home. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for coming till the end. I would love to read your feedback and your story of going limitless. See you in the next episode of Be Limitless with Tarun Makija.